Welcome to the Lincoln Way Christian Church Podcast. This live recording is brought to you from our Sunday morning worship service. Don't forget to also check out www.lincolnway.org. And now for this morning's message. We're starting a new series. It's just going to be a two-week series this week and next week about how we can bring people to faith in Christ. And um, if you look at on this logo here, or, and it's also on your bulletin, um, what we're trying to do with this is to show you that there are two doors in the church. There's one door that lets people in. Okay, we want people to come in, and we're glad that you came. But there's a second door, and it's to let people out. Not to kick them out, but for us, once we've come in, met Jesus, to let us know that we're not just supposed to stay in these walls, but Christ expects us to leave the church to bring people back to him. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is that how we can invest in the outside world. The two things we're going to be talking about this week, like I said, is invest, and then next week we're going to talk about how we can invite people to God's kingdom. And I don't know why, but for some reason, and maybe this is true for you, I know it's true for me. Um, well, let me ask you, does anybody think it's really easy to tell people about your faith? I mean, it just comes natural. Some people it is. Some people it's amazingly easy for them. For me, it's a lot harder, unless they force me to stand on stage and look at everybody. Um, other than that, it becomes really hard for me. And I think the reason is because I've put all these preconceived ideas of what it takes I've got to be able to say these things in order, this certain way. I have to know this before I talk to anybody about Jesus. Um, And we've put all these different ideas that really don't need to be in there. In fact, if you look at Christ's story and Christ and how he did it, it's actually a lot easier than what we've made it out to be. I wrote a little parable here um, about how I would bring someone to Christ. And then we're going to read a parable about how Jesus says to invest in people. Um, So you can read along with me. I'm going to put it up there on the screen for you as well. Again, this is me from Nicomus chapter 15. Verses 1 through 7. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. He should mail out a flyer with directions back to the sheep pen, hoping the lost sheep will see it and return. If that doesn't work, he should organize a big flashy party in the sheep pen with the hopes that the sheep will be attracted back to the pen by food, fun, and fellowship. If the sheep fails to return, the shepherd should donate a portion of his money each week to Jeff the bounty hunter, hoping that the lost sheep will be brought back home safely. And finally, if that fails, the shepherd should put on his best robe, grab his Bible, and cautiously trek the land searching for the lost sheep. And when he finds it, he should list all the commands that the sheep broke. This will make the lost sheep love God and return home. Um, This is how a lot of times, and I hope I'm not the only one in this boat. I, I imagine some of you are the same way. We try to do all these different creative things to bring people to Jesus without actually getting involved with people and without actually coming in contact with people. So what we're going to talk about today is how we can actually come in contact with people who don't know Jesus and invest in their lives. And the best way to do that is look about how Jesus did it. Let's look at how this parable should be read. It's in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, him being Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. A parable is a lot different than the way I would have done it. Jesus does it a lot different than the way I would have done it. 
In fact, his way seems almost a little simpler. Instead of doing all, spending all that energy, he just goes and invests in people. From this parable, we learn three ways that Jesus invested in people. The first way was that Jesus invests in the lost before the found. And I want to tell you right off the bat, I'm not suggesting that the second part of this is bad, that we shouldn't invest in found people. But I'm saying that the things that I'm going to suggest to you, there's a more effective way of investing in people. And when you invest in the lost, it's more effective than just investing in the found. Um, I'm sure some of you guys think right off the bat, you know, we should, we should just invest in the church people. We should invest in the people who've already come into the doors. Make sure that they're healthy. Make sure that they're 100% spiritually perfect. And then when they're perfect, we'll send them out. And hopefully they won't get tainted by sin in any way. And then they'll bring people back. But when we look at this parable in Jesus' life in general, we see that Jesus' first priority was those who were lost. He didn't spend a lot of time with those people who were considered the found ones. In fact, if you read this verse, um, he says that now the tax collectors who were really looked down upon as big sinners, and then in parentheses he puts sinners, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Jesus was hanging out with the lost people. But our tendency is just the opposite, isn't it? We want to make sure that we're just with the Christian people. We want to make sure, okay, and sometimes it's probably a little bit of my fault and the, the church leader's fault as well. We, we tell someone about Jesus, they accept Jesus, and then we tell them, this is what you need to do. You need to get rid of your non-Christian friends. You need to get into some places that are just Christians. Stay away from the non-Christian influences. Um, don't, don't be with them. Don't hang out with them. Don't listen to their music. Watch their movies. Just avoid them. And basically what we're saying is, I want you to leave that world and form your own little world. Instead of changing the world that Christ has put us in, what we tend to do is just leave the world and make our own. Kind of make our own place where no one can get in. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And if you're not, maybe you can write this down as well. This is a phrase I think is very important. The Christian who will not touch the world will not change it. The Christian who will not touch the world will not change the world. Um, we're on a mission from, from God. One thing I love about the first song we sang, um, if we're as a body, why aren't his hands reaching and why aren't his hands healing? Um, when Jesus left, he didn't leave the world empty-handed. He left the world the church. He said, I'm going to heaven and you guys are going to be me. You are my body. I want you to carry out the things that I was doing on this earth. And if we are the body, why shouldn't we be in the same world that Jesus was in, talking to the same people and investing in the same people that Jesus was when he was here? We need to invest in the lost before the found. Now, I, I think it's important to invest in the found people. I think that we should invest in each other as well and help each other um, reach the image of Christ that we're called to do. But maybe our priority should be reaching those who are in danger. Maybe our first priority should be saying, you know what, I've got Jesus and they don't, and I'm going to help them find Jesus. Just maybe. Invest in the lost before we invest in the found. Second thing that we learned from this parable is to invest in relationships before we invest in remarks. If you look again at verses 1 and 2 of Luke chapter 15, you see that Jesus was investing in relationships. It's the Pharisees see Jesus hanging out with the, the, the sinners, and they say, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. What is Jesus doing there? He's investing in a relationship. Um, he's not just there to pound them and tell them what they're doing wrong. He's sitting down and talking with them and eating dinner with them. He's investing in a relationship. How many of you guys um, enjoy telemarketers? Anybody? How many of you sit down for dinner and you pray for your food and pray that a telemarketer calls? Yeah? Um, I didn't ask Rachel if I could tell you this. 
Um, but it's Father's Day, and she has to forgive me, right? <laughs> she can be mad at me tomorrow. Um, but when we first started college, uh, we, were, we were hurting for money, like most college young couples were, and she took a job as a telemarketer. Um, she, she, I don't know. I don't remember what she sold. It was like vacations somewhere, somewhere. I don't know. But so she would call people and just kind of sell stuff. And she would come home every night and just bawling her eyes out. And for those of you who know my wife, she's the nicest girl in the world. Uh, she wouldn't hurt anybody. And here she is, people yelling at her and screaming at her, and she comes home crying. Now, remember that next time a telemarketer comes. It could be Rachel on the other end. Um, but so the reason, and the reason that she got yelled at a lot is because there wasn't a relationship with those people. What telemarketers do, and they're famous for, is just kind of jumping into your life without permission. Um, we don't know them. We don't know who they are. But all of a sudden, we have to stop our lives to hear their pitch. Like, I want to sell you this, but I don't know you. I think you should buy it. And it's not that the product that they're selling is bad. Um, vacation, it's great. Or supporting um, some charity, that's great. But the reason we get offended is because there's no relationship there. If it were a friend offering us that same thing, we'd probably consider it, and we'd probably even buy it from them or help them out. But when there's no relationship, and we try to push something onto people, it offends people. I want you to write this down as well. Non-Christians are not projects. They're people. Non-Christians are not projects. Non-Christians are people too. And people require relationships. Um, if Whenever we go out into the world and we just try to canvas the city door to door, knocking on people's doors, giving tracts. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't work. On occasion, a telemarketer will get someone to buy something. But the most effective way is to build a relationship first. And when we just start throwing tracts at people, telling people what they've done wrong and not investing in relationships first, it's offensive. And it's not that the message is offensive. It's that we try to do it without the relationship. Relationship is an important aspect of investing in people. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm not one of those guys who thinks that we should just build the relationship and not give the message out. I don't think that we should just be a good Christian in our neighborhood, never talk about Christ, and only let our light shine out to people. I think there comes a time whenever we have to speak up and we have to tell them about Jesus and have to share the gospel with them because the power is in the gospel message. But we can't do it before we've got a relationship. The most effective way is to invest in relationships before remarks. The third thing that we learn from this parable in investing in people is that we should invest ourselves before our money. Um, I said at the beginning, you know, one thing I tend to do is I, I give money to events and try to put these big events together. And if you read this parable again, you see that Jesus went out himself to find the sheep, and then when he came home, he threw the party because the, sh- the sheep was found. He didn't throw a party and call his friends just to get the sheep back. We need to invest ourselves before we try and put together parties and throw money into things. And I really think this is a big problem with America because in America, whether you believe it or not, we are the richest country in the world, and you are blessed with finances. And so what we try to do with that is we see a need somewhere. Maybe it's overseas. Maybe it's here in this congregation or just across the street. We see a need, and instead of investing ourselves, what do we do? We write out a check and say, here you go. Here you go. Take my money. I'll I'll give money to something, but I'm not going to invest myself. And the reason I think we do that is not because we don't care about the issue. We care about the issue, but maybe we're just, instead of trying to solve the issue, we're trying to alleviate the guilt of apathy, um, the guilt of not caring. And so we think, well, I've done my part. I've given money. Now, I know you guys don't hear a lot of people and a lot of churches and preachers saying, don't give your money. Um, And I'm not saying you shouldn't give your money. I think that we should invest our resources. 
We should do everything we can, including giving our money and resources to help the lost. But if you're not giving yourself, then I would say that you're not investing in people like the way Jesus did. One of my favorite passages comes from the first chapter of Isaiah. Um, God's telling the people in Israel, he's saying, you know what, I'm sick of your, your meaningless offerings. I'm sick of your meaningless sacrifices. What I want is your life. If you're not going to give your life, I don't want your sacrifices. We should invest ourselves. And you know what? Let's not forget that Jesus Christ did that as well. You know, God is powerful. God can do all things. He could have stayed in heaven and saved the world from up on, up on his throne. He just said, world be fixed and like stirred something and boom, everybody's saved and happy and in the garden again. I'm sure that was possible somehow with God. But what did he choose to do? He chose to take off his royal robe, take off his kingly robe, put on a robe of flesh that was dirty. Now he was going to have to start experiencing pain. He's going to have to start experiencing grief and anguish he never had experienced before. And he stepped down into a dirty, sinful world to eat dinner with tax collectors and sinners. He invested himself, not just his powers and his resources. And I think we should invest ourselves as well. And you ask yourself, where, but where do I start? How do I start investing in people? My recommendation is to start in your neighborhood. Um, you've got people surrounding who, you see, who see you every day, and hopefully they see you more than just getting in and out of your car. Um, hopefully you can invest in them. I truly believe that God has put us in a neighborhood to make an impact in your neighborhood. This is a picture of a neighborhood that I, I lived in in St. Louis. Um, my wife, like I said, we were a poor college, poor college couple, and we were looking for a place to live after we graduated college. And so we, we didn't have any money, of course, and so we did, couldn't put down a big down payment and all those types of things that people do. Um, so we went to the realtor and we said, we want to buy a home, but we have no money, so it's going to have to be a really cheap home. And he started pointing out the neighborhoods that we'd have to live in. And he started warning us of those neighborhoods. Now, now remember, uh, St. Louis was voted the most dangerous city in all of America. And now we were going to get to live in one of the poorer neighborhoods in St. Louis. Um, but we were okay with that. We said, you know what, we're not just looking for a home to live in. We're looking for a neighborhood to invest in. Um, so we bought this little bitty house. You can see over here in the corner, the arrow is actually touching the house, even though you can't really see it. Um, and then if you go up the street a little bit and then take a right, right there, there was a basketball court that was just built when we moved there. And the, one of the reasons we really like this neighborhood is I drove by and I saw on this basketball court, there's like 20 to 60 high schoolers after school that would come there every single day. Um, that's all there was to do in the neighborhood, just go down to this basketball court and play basketball. Every day, 20 to 60 kids, some high school, some in college. So we decided, okay, we're going to move here, and we're really going to invest in these people. We're really going to take part in their lives and start to build relationships. So I started going to this basketball court after, um, after the school when they were there, and I realized that I wasn't getting to play basketball much. Uh, I, was like, I was the white guy in town that had no basketball skills and was really short, and so nobody wanted to pick me to be on their team. Um, so what I did was I, I really thought this was important. So I went to Target, bought the best basketball I could find. So I had the best basketball on the court. And then I would show up early, like before they got there to play basketball so that they couldn't just kick me off the court. Um, they would have to join my game. Like, oh, you want to play? Come on, join. I got a game started with me. And they would join me in. And eventually I got to play because of that. Um, and during those times, I mean, it was, I was not any good at basketball. They were all just wiping me all over the floor. But between like the games and a lot of the fights that would happen and the swearing, um, I really got to meet and talk with a lot of those guys and just kind of share life with them. Um, and one thing I didn't do, I didn't tell them I was a, a youth minister in the area because once you tell someone you're a minister, they like 
treat you like a completely different person. It's like, oh, yes, sir, right away. And so I, I didn't tell them I was a minister, but I wanted to make sure that they knew that I believed in God. Um, so I got there early, and one of my goals was just to hang out with the outcast people. Because when you, when you suck at basketball in that time, they, they let you know it. They tell you, right? They're not afraid to say, oh, you're just practice and you'll get better. They tell you, you stink at basketball, blah, blah, blah. And so there was all these kids who wanted to play but weren't any good. So I would hang out with them. And I would talk with them between games and just really got to know them. Eventually, they started showing up early as well so that, they would, so that we could talk and just hang out and play. And on occasion, not very often, but on occasion, I got to share with them about God. Um, and to me, that was really rewarding, that my investment was coming back and I was getting ready to share with them. I wonder what would have happened if I would have just went to that course and started yelling the gospel at them. I wonder how many would have listened or even cared if I would have just passed out tracks that day. I, th- I really truly believe that instead of just telling people what Jesus says, maybe we should start by showing them what Jesus did. Again, I think we should always tell them what Jesus said, but maybe start by showing them what Jesus did. And instead of trying to beat Jesus into them, Maybe we should love the hell out of them. Instead of trying to beat Jesus into people, just love the hell out of people. It takes an investment. If we're going to win this community to Christ, if we're going to tell people about Christ, the best way to do it is invest. And start with your neighborhood and then work out from there.